You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Just on the text line, the extra year Moses is referring to Mitchell Moses on his current contract is an option he's yet to take up. That's exactly right. He has the option for next year in his favour. Um, that's obviously if he wants to take it, but they're trying to get this deal um, to go further than that. Four years, possibly five years. It's a big deal. Let's cover this and the other issues of the day in rugby league with Scotty Bailey, who joins us from AAP. Scott, thank you for your time. Always generous with it. Mate, round one, and we've got an array of issues on the table at the start of a very long season. So let me start with the Mitchell Moses situation um Mm. he's getting a little bit angsty about it he he didn't like being pushed on a number of questions yesterday just basically was over it wanted to get the job Mm. done in the in the management um department which is fair enough in some respects but is this starting to be a distraction should we be talking about what's your take on this yeah he certainly did start to get frustrated a few questions yesterday didn't he um look it's a funny one i mean i think you know the reality is this is kind of indicative of players using, oh, it's with my manager as a bit of a cop-out when it comes to answering questions like this or, or trying to avoid answering questions like this. I mean, he, he took exception to a question from my colleague at AP, George Clark, about the fact that, you know, this many games into his career and his age, surely he dictates his future and not his manager, uh, which I think is a pretty fair point from George, really. Um, you know, th- there is no way that um, that Mitch's manager and his uncle, Isaac, are, are deciding his future. Obviously, it is Mitch who decides that uh, is it a distraction? Well, talking to a few other clubs about whether they think it would be a distraction, they seem to think it would be. Of course, Parramatta don't believe it's a distraction. They're not going to say as much, but I think it's safe to say that everyone there, both you know, at the club and probably Mitch too, to be fair, would, would like this done much sooner rather than later. So is there an end in sight? I mean, we, we can discuss the whys and how fours around, you know, where it's sitting and how long it's taking, but... Is there any news that you're hearing as to whether or not it is the sticking point that there's perhaps a four-year or a five-year um, deal? And and when do you think it does get wrapped up? That that seems to be the sticking point. That was something that I think Danny Widler asked Mitch about yesterday. And Mitch again just said, oh, look, there are rumours or you know something along those lines and wouldn't, uh, didn't give a straight answer. But that seems to be the, the main sticking point at the moment is years. I think, look, everyone believes he will stay at Parramatta and... That is the most likely scenario by some uh, margin. I think there is every chance it could be done within the next week. I haven't heard anything concrete that it's going to be done tomorrow or anything like that, but we're certainly closer to the end of this than we are the start of it. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in the next week it is knocked over. There's certainly a willingness from Parramatta to get it done uh, very soon. Um, you know, and, and Parramatta are far, far and away the number one option for Mitch. So it seems common sense that at some point in the next little bit, this will be sorted out. But again, the longer it drags on, the more questions it invites. And, you know, Paramount has got a really tough start to the season. They've probably got the hardest draw of any club through the first six rounds. So it's just one thing that they probably wouldn't want hanging over their heads through that period. Yeah, we've got a bunch of text messages here on this on this matter this morning and, and some of them are saying, and I'll read them out a bit later, but some of them are saying, look, basically shut up about it. This is all the media um, making a mountain out of a molehill and until there's a story 
etc., etc., etc. However, the fact of the matter is, this is a big deal for a key player for a long time mm. at a key club. So it, it is a big story, and it is a story until he signs. And let's not forget, the Eels have the Sharks, the Seagulls, the Panthers, and the Roosters in their next four games. So I'm sure everybody at the club, Mitchell Moses first and foremost, would rather get it done. Talking about getting just it done, Scotty on, David. Gonna, for, sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say, just further on that, though. I mean, like, it, it does feel like every year or every second year there is a Mitch Moses contract story, but a lot of that is due to the fact that so many of his contracts are down to player options. Like we, we thought, uh, I think it's two years ago now, that he was locked in for the next four years, or maybe it was three years ago we thought he was locked in for the next five, whatever it was. And then it emerged shortly after that, no, it's actually player options the last couple of those years. So... It, it, that that con- well, that talk and that drama is sort of invited back into the Mitch Moses contract saga all the time. He's not a player who ever has really signed a deal. Or maybe he has been the most recent years. He's not a player who signed, say, a, a five-year deal and then we don't worry about his contract for the next five years. It, it seems to be that he signs a deal and then a couple of years later, we're talking about whether he takes up an option and whether he's going to get another extension. So that, that drama is kind of invited into the scenario, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Now, just on that, so David Fafita re-signs with the Titans until the end of 2026 and by all reports had at least one option with the Raiders, possibly the Broncos wanting to buy in as well. I posed the question earlier, Scotty, right now if you're a player manager, and we can put this you know, back to that discussion that we just had, and if you're a player who's, who's in demand, who is young, who has options on the table, is right now the best time to be either looking at a short-term contract, for instance, given the amount of options, the possibility of an 18th team, the new uh, salary cap, the Dolphins are in the mix, and sitting over there, just patiently waiting, if you're in his zone, is Eddie Jones with a bit of a checkbook? Yeah, I think it's definitely the, the, a great time to be off contract. And you're right, look, it probably goes against what I just said about Mitch, but it is also a good time to be signing uh, shorter-term deals because... At the end of the day, it's not like there's going to be uncertainty around the cap for another five years. So um, if you're off contract in two years' time, clubs know what they can offer you and they, the cap's only going to keep rising through this five-year period once the CBA is finally uh, sorted. Uh, like you say, that an 18th team could come in during this five-year cycle or whether it be at the end of this five-year cycle. But either way, there is more options on the table and therefore that drives prices up. There's also more money on the table because the cap is going up significantly once they finally confirm it out of this CBA. Uh, so, and, and Eddie Jones too. Obviously, if you're a player who is probably able to be picked um, across both codes, like obviously Cam Murray we mentioned before, uh, Tolu Kula, uh, Joseph Suwali, so, sorry, Suwali'i has just recommitted to the Roosters or told the Roosters he'll recommit. But he was another guy who was eyed off by Eddie. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly a good time. To, it's a player's market at the moment rather than a club's market. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Spencer Lenu, um, do we need an independent doctor here to, to make a bit of an assessment? Uh, <laughs> you, you, you win a couple of grand finals with a club that's been the dominant club of the NRL. No bones about that. And we know that he's on the move to the Roosters. And, and but, but the comments about the Roosters being the pinnacle of the NRL for a number of years, I, I just wonder how they're going to go down. I mean, you can say what you like, but I just wonder how they're going to go down where he's at for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, there's two ways to look at this. I mean, firstly, it's a bit of the Brandon Smith saga all over again, isn't it? From, uh, you know, maybe more eloquently put than what Brandon did on that podcast about a year and a half ago, but similar sort of situation, and that didn't go down well. And it sort of that was the one that prompted, or one of the ones that prompted calls to the NRL to change their contracting 
system, uh, which they've it looks like they were unsuccessfully trying to do that yet to get across the line in those CBA talks. And it's something they're all being pretty keen to push it, with Brandon Smith as an example of that. So that's there's sort of one element of it there. But then also talking to the guys at Penrith, and I haven't spoken to them since they spent some of their new comments, but I know last week I was actually you know, talking to Isaiah Yo about how, well, you know, Penrith almost the example of why the contracting window may need to change. And he said, well, not necessarily, because you look at last year's grand final, that was Penrith v Parramatta, both clubs who had a lot of players uh, signed elsewhere before the start of the 2022 season, and they both made a grand final. So Penrith have showed time and time again they can put these kind of distractions of players leaving um, to the side and just got on with the season. And it's actually part of their tactic over there is they'd rather have a player sign, you know, be it Appy Corrissau or be it Spencer Lenu, they'd rather have a player sign elsewhere in January than have the contract negotiations rolling through the season, a la Mitch Moses or a la you know, dramas especially come finals time. So, yeah, look, I'm sure the comments weren't that well received, but they have a pretty good history of putting this stuff to the side and not letting it bother them too much. Yeah, um, just on the independent, Dr. Graham Annesley had his say yesterday, so confronted with that one for his first briefing of the season. I think he dealt with it very well. I wonder, going down the track, if this continues to be an issue post-match for coaches, when does the NRL step in here? Scott, do you think that they're going to start looking at coaches' comments like they do with coaches' comments around referees when they're starting to make questions or starting to pose questions on the independent doctor's role? Uh, that's a good point. I think that, you know, I mean, with referees and them, you just can't question the integrity of them or go overboard on your criticism or questioning of decisions. And my gut feel is that's kind of where it's at with the independent doctor. But at the same time, there's certainly a feeling at the NRL that, you know, the independent doctor knows concussions better than, or, sorry, knows uh, symptoms of or identifying factors of concussions than what coaches do or any non-medical person does. So therefore, this is best left with the independent doctor. Uh, look, if, if it becomes something that we see time and time and time again, the NRL might step in and say something. But I don't think we're at that point just yet. I know Andrew Abdo was frustrated with the commentary over the weekend, but... Um, yeah, we're probably a little way off from that. Just just on the independent doctor, there are a couple of things. Firstly, there is no sport in the world that is going to wind back its concussion yeah. protocol. So there is absolutely zero chance of the NRL changing. You know, uh, Andrew made that clear on Sunday. Graham made that clear yesterday. Uh, secondly, and I think a really important factor is that Graham pointed out yesterday that 14 out of the 19 HIAs done this weekend were instigated by the club doctor rather than the independent doctor. And obviously the ones that the independent doctor uh, instigated the ones that captured the headlines and they were the more, I don't want to say controversial, but they're the ones that yeah, yeah, were, well, they, I guess they were controversial in some ways. Uh, but, you know, th- to say that the uh, procedure has been taken out of the club's hands is, is wrong. You know, it is it is still the club doctor and the independent doctor who um, can make judgments on whether players need to be taken off the field. And essentially the way it works is that whoever has the... Um, most serious grading of a head, not be it from on-field check to off-field check to ruled out from the game, uh, you know, from what they say on the field, they have the, the the power to make the decision. So if a club doctor says, no, this, this is a more serious uh, head knock than what the independent doctor thinks, the club doctor still has the power to get a player off the field. Um, it's just like the independent doctor has the power to overrule the club doctor. I may have spoken around in circles there. I hope that made sense. But you know what no, I mean? No, like, no. It's not, no, I, I think, it's not I, something that's been honestly, taking our club's hands. Yeah, and I think your point is is spot on. Nobody's going to roll this back. 
So this is not going to get any lighter. It's not going to become a an independent Dr. Diet Coke situation. This is full strength the whole way, and it's going to remain that way. A final one for you before I let you go. Wade Graham, they're going to roll the dice there at the NRL Judiciary. Um, however, if, if he's unsuccessful, he could miss four games. Uh, what do you think happens tonight there? That's an interesting one. Let's, let's pretty much just open the book and say, look, it could be anything from a fine if he was to somehow get a grade one careless up to a, you know, if he's... Uh, unsuccessful could be four weeks of the reckless and obviously one or two weeks depending on if what grade careless he manages to get it down to if he does that I think he'll, he'll struggle look the reality is that um, we don't see many reckless ones I think there's only one all of last season with Tane Milne on Spencer Lenu in last year's finals but uh, the judiciary will point or sorry the NRL match uh, review committee will point to the fact that Graham left the ground he jumped that probably makes it reckless. That's what they tend to push towards when they're looking at reckless charges. And it's going to be very hard for Graham to argue that down, I think. Yeah. Good on you, Scotty. Appreciate your time this morning. Pleasure, Matty. Have a good day. Covered a fair range of issues there. Scott Bailey from AAP Sport. We thank him for his time. 0457 736 736. Or give me a call this morning. The best caller will receive a double pass uh, to head to Newcastle for the supercars the Newcastle 500 kicking off the season. It is a quarter to 10. Let's take a break. Back with your texts and calls after this.